Section number thirteen of Curiosities of Literature, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Curiosities of Literature, Volume three, by Isaac de Israeli an authentic narrative of the last hours of sir walter raleigh the close of the life of sir walter raleigh was as extraordinary as many parts of his varied history the promptitude and sprightliness of his genius his carelessness of life and the equanimity of this great spirit in quitting the world can only be paralleled by a few other heroes and sages raleigh was both but it is not simply his dignified yet active conduct on the scaffold nor his admirable speech on that occasion circumstances by which many great men are judged when their energies are excited for a moment to act so great a part before the eyes of the world assembled at their feet it is not these only which claim our notice we may pause with admiration on the real grandeur of raleigh's character not from a single circumstance however great but from a tissue of continued little incidents which occurred from the moment of his condemnation till he laid his head on the block raleigh was a man of such mark that he deeply engaged the attention of his contemporaries and to this we owe the preservation of several interesting particulars of what he did and what he said which have entered into his life but all has not been told in the published narratives contemporary writers in their letters have set down every fresh incident and eagerly caught up his sense his wit and what is more delightful those marks of the natural cheerfulness of his invariable presence of mind nor could these have arisen from any affliction or parade for we shall see that they served him even in his last tender farewell to his lady and on many unpremeditated occasions i have drawn together into a short compass all the facts which my researches have furnished not omitting those which are known concerning the feelings and conduct of raleigh at these solemn moments of his life to have preserved only the new would have been to mutilate the statue and to injure the whole by an imperfect view raleigh one morning was taken out of his bed in a fit of fever and unexpectedly hurried not to his trial but to a sentence of death the story is well known yet pleading with a voice grown weak by sickness and an og he had at that instant on him he used every means to avert his fate he did therefore value the life he could so easily part with his judges there at least respected their state criminal and they addressed him in a tone far different from that which he had fifteen years before listened to from coke yelverton the attorney-general said 
sir walter raleigh hath been as a star at which the world have gazed but stars may fall nay they must fall when they trouble the sphere which they abide and the lord chief justice noticed raleigh's great work i know that you have been valiant and wise and i doubt not but you retain both these virtues for now you shall have occasion to use them your book is an admirable work i would give you counsel but i know you can apply unto yourself far better than i am able to give you but the judge ended with saying execution is granted it was stifling raleigh with roses the heroic sage felt as if listening to fame from the voice of death he declared that now being old sickly and in disgrace and certain were he allowed to live to go on to it again life was wearisome to him and all he entreated was to leave to speak freely at his farewell to satisfy the world that he was ever loyal to the king and a true lover of the commonwealth for this he would seal with his blood raleigh on his return to his prison while some were deploring his fate observed that the world itself is but a larger prison out of which some are daily selected for execution that last night of his existence was occupied by writing what the letter-writer calls a remembrancer to be left with his lady to acquaint the world with his sentiments should he be denied their delivery from the scaffold as he had been at the bar of the king's bench his lady visited him that night and amidst her tears acquainted him that she had obtained the favor of disposing of his body to which he answered smiling it is well bess that thou mayst dispose of that dead thou hadst not always the disposing of when it was alive at midnight he entreated her to leave him it must have been then that with unshaken fortitude raleigh sat down to compose those verses on his death which being short the most appropriate may be repeated even such is time that takes on trust our youth our joys are all we have and pays us but with age and dust who in the dark and silent grave when we have wandered all our ways shuts up the story of our days he has added two other lines expressive of his trust in his resurrection their authenticity is confirmed by the writer of the present letter as well as another writer enclosing half a dozen verses which sir walter made the night before his death to take his farewell of poetry wherein he had been a scribbler even from his youth the enclosure is not now with the letter chamberlain the writer was an intelligent man of the world but not imbued with any deep tincture of literature on the same night raleigh wrote this ditch of the candle burning dimly cowards fear to die but courage stout rather than live in snuff will be put out at this solemn moment before he lay down to rest 
and at the instant of parting from his lady with all his domestic affections still warm to express his feelings in verse was with him a natural effusion and one to which he had long been used it is peculiar to the fate of raleigh that having before suffered a long imprisonment with an expectation of public death his mind had been accustomed to its contemplation and had often dwelt on the event which was now passing the soul in its sudden departure and its future state is often the subject of his few poems that most original one the farewell go soul the body's guest upon a thankless errand etc is attributed to raleigh though on uncertain evidence but another entitled the pilgrimage has this beautiful passage give me my scallop shell of quiet my staff of truth to walk upon my scrip of joy immortal diet my bottle of salvation my gown of glory hope's true gauge and thus i'll take my pilgrimage whilst my soul like a quiet palmer traveleth toward the land of heaven raleigh's cheerfulness was so remarkable and his fearlessness of death so marked that the dean of westminster who attended him at first wondering at the hero reprehended the lightness of his manner but raleigh gave god thanks that he had never feared death for it was but an opinion and an imagination and as for the manner of death he would rather die so than of a burning fever and that some might have made shows outwardly but he felt the joy within the dean says that he made no more of his death than if he had been to take a journey not said he but that i am a great sinner for i have been a soldier a seaman and a courtier the writer of a manuscript letter tells us that the dean declared he died not only religiously but he found him to be a man as ready and as able to give as to take instruction on the morning of his death he smoked as usual his favorite tobacco and when they brought him a cup of excellent sack being asked how he liked it raleigh answered as a fellow that drinking of st giles bowl as he went to tyburn said that was a good drink if a man might tarry by it footnote in the old time when prisoners were conveyed from newgate to tyburn they stopped about midway at the old hospital at st giles in the fields and says stowe were presented with a great bowl of ale therefore to drink at their pleasure as to be their last refreshment in this life and a footnote the day before in passing from westminster hall to the gatehouse his eye had caught sir hugh beston in the throng and calling on him raleigh requested that he would see him die to-morrow sir hugh to secure himself a seat on the scaffold had provided himself with a letter to the sheriff which 
was not read at the time and sir walter found his friend thrust by lamenting that he could not get there farewell exclaimed raleigh i know not what shift you will make but i am sure to have a place in going from the prison to the scaffold among others who were pressing hard to see him one old man whose head was bald came very forward insomuch that raleigh noticed him and asked whether he would have aught of him the old man answered nothing but to see him and pray god for him raleigh replied i thank thee good friend and i am sorry i have no better thing to return thee for thy good will observing his bald head he continued but take this nightcap which was a very rich wrought one that he wore for thou hast more need of it now than i his dress as was usual with him was elegant if not rich footnote raleigh's love of dress is conspicuous in the early portraits of him we possess and particularly so in the one engraved by lodge and a footnote audes described it but mentions that he had a wrought nightcap under his hat this we have otherwise disposed of he wore a rough band a black wrought velvet nightgown over a hair-colored satin doublet and a black wrought waistcoat black cuff taffety breeches and ash-colored silk stockings he ascended the scaffold with the same cheerfulness as he had passed to it and observing the lords seated at a distance some at windows he requested they would approach him as he wished that they should all witness what he had to say the request was complied with by several his speech is well known but some copies contain matters not in others when he finished he requested lord arundel that the king would not suffer any libels to defame him after death and now i have a long journey to go and must take my leave he embraced all the lords and other friends with such courtly compliments as if he had met them at some feast says a letter writer having taken off his gown he called to the headsman to show him the axe which not being instantly done he repeated i prithee let me see it dost thou think that i am afraid of it he passed the edge lightly over his finger and smiling observed to the sheriff this is a sharp medicine but a sound cure for all diseases and kissed it and laid it down another writer has this is that that will cure all sorrows after this he went to three several corners of the scaffold and kneeling down desired all the people to pray for him and recited a long prayer to himself when he began to fit himself for the block he first laid himself down to try how the block fitted him after rising up the executioner kneeled down to ask for his forgiveness which raleigh with an embrace gave but entreated him not to strike till he gave a token by lifting up his hand and then fear not but strike home 
when he laid his head down to receive the stroke the executioner desired him to lay his face towards the east it was no great matter which way a man's head stood so that the heart lay right said raleigh but these were not his last words he was once more to speak in this world with the same intrepidity he had lived in it for having lain some minutes on the block in prayer he gave the signal but the executioner either unmindful or in fear failed to strike and raleigh after once or twice putting forth his hands was compelled to ask him why dost thou not strike strike man in two blows he was beheaded but from the first his body never shrunk from the spot by any discomposure of his posture which like his mind was immovable in all the time he was upon the scaffold and before says one of the manuscript letter writers there appeared not the least alteration in him either in his voice or countenance but he seemed as free from all manner of apprehension as if he had been come thither rather to be a spectator than a sufferer nay the beholders seem much more sensible than did he so that he hath purchased here in the opinion of men such honour and reputation as it is thought his greatest enemies are they that are most sorrowful for his death which they see is like to turn so much to his advantage the people were deeply affected at the sight and so much that one said that we had not such another head to cut off and another wished the head and brains to be upon secretary naunton's shoulders the observer suffered for this he was a wealthy citizen and great newsmonger and one who haunted paul's walk complaint was made and the citizen was summoned to the privy council he pleaded that he intended no disrespect to mr secretary but only spoke in reference to the old proverb that two heads were better than one his excuse was allowed at the moment but when afterwards called on for a contribution to st paul's cathedral and having subscribed a hundred pounds the secretary observed to him that two are better than one mr weinmark either from fear or charity the witty citizen doubled his subscription footnote the general impression was so much in disfavor of this judicial murder that james thought it politic to publish an eight-volume pamphlet in sixteen eighteen entitled a declaration of the demeanor and carriage of sir walter raleigh knight as well as his voyage as in and since his return and of the true motives and inducements which occasioned his majesty to proceed in doing justice upon him and hath been done it takes the whole question apologetically of the license given him to guiana as his majesty's honour was in a manner engaged not to deny unto his people the adventure and hope of such great riches 
as the mines of that island might yield it afterward details his proceedings there which are declared criminal dangerous to his majesty's allies and an abuse of his commission it ends by defending his execution because he could not by law be judicially called in question for that his former attainer of treason is the highest and last work of the law whereby he was a civilator mortis his majesty was enforced except attainers should become privileges for all subsequent offences to resolve to have him executed upon his former attender End of footnote. thus died this glorious and gallant cavalier of whom osborne says his death was managed by him with so high and religious a resolution as if a roman had acted a christian or rather a christian a roman footnote the chief particulars in this narrative are drawn from two manuscript letters of the day in the sloan collection under their respective dates november third sixteen eighteen larkin to sir theos pickering october thirteenth sixteen eighteen chamberlain's letters End note. after having read the previous article we are astonished at the greatness and the variable nature of this extraordinary man and this happy genius with gibbon who once mediated to write his life we may pause and pronounce his character ambiguous but we shall not hesitate to decide that raleigh knew better how to die than to live his glorious hours say a contemporary were his arraignment and execution but never will be forgotten the intermediate years of his lettered imprisonment the imprisonment of the learned may sometimes be their happiest leisure end of section thirteen recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c